if you're British. And of a certain age, you may remember the Cod Wars. That time, before the Falklands campaign, when Britain sailed its navy in anger against another European country, Iceland. A series of dramatic <laughs> confrontations followed, and one of our panellists tonight was right there at the heart of the action as a young sailor in the British Navy. He actually ran away to sea and enlisted mm. at the age of just 15. Please welcome the best-selling writer, Will Pearson. Hi. Yeah, lots to talk about with Will tonight, and also with our next guest, the wildly creative artist, writer, and narrator of pop-ups. Welcome back, the one and only Bev Dalton. Hooray. I just need to remind you that if you're looking for something interesting to do next Saturday, then come along to the Litopia Book Club. This month's book selection is The Other Bennett Sister by Janice Hadlow. If you're a Jane Austen fan, you'll love this. More info at club.latopia.com. Yes, I want to say hello to our very special guest today, Will Pearson. Will has done an extraordinary number of things, but I've just mentioned one thing that I really want to get out of the way first, and this is it. This is it. Now, this is a... I think this is the first mention I can find online of the Cod War. This goes back to 1958, for heaven's sake. Will wasn't involved at that time, but he was involved later on. Will, so many people don't know what the Cod War is. Can you please tell us what the Cod War was? Well, as I recall, it was, it was about the Icelandic government imposing a no-fishing limit of something like 200 miles around Iceland, uh, which would have put a lot of our fishing boats out of business almost overnight if, 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 if they enforced it and if we accepted it. So, after lots and lots of failed diplomatic negotiations, we went to war. The only thing was, we in the Royal Navy at least, were not allowed to open fire, which was a bit of a drawback, um, considering. But we did... They tried to ram, they rammed us and we rammed them back. And on the whole, our frigate, our frigates were more successful at disabling their gunboats than they were at doing it to us. So that's the Cod War. So it sounds, it sounds all sort of lighthearted and all sort of gentleman's club, but actually it was bloody dangerous, wasn't it? Yeah, it was dangerous. I mean, it was so dangerous. We had bundles of railway sleepers, big wooden sleepers, um, tied with wire rope to the back of the frigate because they would try and take us up the uh, the rear, as it were, mm, rammers. Mm. So, and the other thing they did that's not very well known is they would, well, the reason, one of the reasons we went to war is the Icelandic gunboats, which had a little two-inch pop gun, would go alongside a, a British um, trawler and put a shell just at the waterline of the trawler, having told all its crew to get on deck. So the, the trawler would start to, to sink, call SOS. Mm. We'd go over there and send a diver over to repair it. And then while we were engaged in doing that, we were vulnerable to their attacks. So then the gunboats would try and ram us then. Yeah. So that was the way it worked. Yeah. And you if, were a, I've got to say, a young lad, really, of, of barely 15. You actually yeah, ran away to sea. 
I, I, this is so hornblower. I can't believe in the 20th century that, that this actually happened. I mean, did you lie uh, on your age? Yes, we can lie and I tell you a sea story. Pull up a bollard. So they, yeah, they, I ran away to sea. He ran away to see at the age of 15. Just extraordinary. More from Will and, of course, all his best-selling books in a moment. But first of all, we're going to have a look at our first submission of the day. It's from Holly. Are you there, Holly? We'd like to know if you are. Give us a wave on YouTube, please. We like to talk to you, and you can talk back to us. That's one of the great things about Pop-Ups Live. Uh, this is YA Mystery Romance. It's called Heart to Heart. Oh, I think that's back to the 70s as well, isn't it? Rather strange American series, I think. Heart to heart, okay. Uh, and this is Holly's blurb. There are three main factors which make my novel stand out. One, ooh, this is a bit PowerPoint, isn't it? One, when Lucas, a heart transplant recipient, finds out his donor might have been murdered, he decides to investigate. Two, while doing so, Lucas forms an impossible bond with the spirit of his donor whom he realises still lives on within him. Three! Lucas is a warm, funny, lonely, self-deprecating and, most importantly, relatable character. Despite the fact that his heart condition sets him apart, he's exactly like the rest of us. Okay, so I don't know how I can mark that blurb, because it's not a blurb. Let's be honest, Holly, it's not a blurb, is it? Um, all about Holly, I've been writing creatively for as long as I can remember. I started writing Heart to Heart when I was 16. You did that instead of running away to see you. Good choice. Um, probably when I should have been revising for exams, almost certainly, but you never know, that career path might well work out better. I read an article about a woman who'd met the recipient of her child's organ and began to think about how recipients may feel about their donors and how they'd feel if they found out they'd been murdered. I've not had any of my writing published yet. I'm also lucky enough to write for my career, where I create training materials, educate retail staff on the technology they are selling. Well, that is indeed fortunate, but even more fortunate for you is this reading from Jeff. Heart to Heart by Holly, read by Jeff. Heart Transplants. Over the years, as I struggled with my continuous health problems, I'd accepted that I wouldn't live as long as other people. No, it was more than that. I'd accepted that I didn't deserve to. If you found out that your life was going to be cut short, that was an disparity on everything you hoped to achieve, what would you do? Maybe you'd finally try that thing you'd always been scared of doing, or make sure that each day was valuable, even in the tiniest way. Maybe you picked out your own box at least once before you bit the dust. Me? I did none of that. I was in self-pity. I grieved for life I was still living. I wasted time that others would have given anything for. The world moved and I stood still, selfishly taking up space I wished someone else had filled. Someone better, more worthy than me. Heart transplant. It took a while for the information about the surgery to sink in. I'd only recently turned 17, which marked my 10th year of suffering from health issues, though I couldn't remember a time before the school absences and medical appointments. And now I was left 
with just one option to have any chance of making it to my 18s. As I lay on the hospital bed, at the beginning of August 2014, I experienced a crushing sense of betrayal, furious that my own body had let me down, yet I was more disappointed by the relief I felt it might all soon be over. Instinctively, I put my hand on my chest, feeling Benny beating weakly beneath my fingertips. As a result of having health problems at an early age, the doctors used various creative methods to help me understand, including naming the organ responsible. Although it did nothing to aid my knowledge on the subject, the name stuck, and I found myself forming an attachment to the useless muscle pumping away inside me. Benny and I had been through a lot, and having given him up seemed like was killing him in my own bare hands. After all, he tried so hard, and for what? For me to drift through days, weeks, years, and get nowhere? The procedure was explained to me. Benny would be removed, and then the new heart be connected to the main arteries. As my health deteriorated in the weeks that followed, I thought a lot about the surgery. I was scared that I wouldn't make it out of the operation or that it wouldn't happen in time. But I also discovered that I was just as terrified of surviving, afraid I would carry existing rather than really living. Most of all, I wondered if new heart would change me. I wondered if I'd feel purpose and passion. I wondered if I'd be a better person. I wondered if I'd find myself and my place in this world. There was only one thing left to happen before the operation could go ahead. Someone had to die. Thank you very much, Jeff. Atmospheric reading indeed. A uh, question from... I've just lost it. Oh, no. Yeah, sorry, from David. David McGuire in the uh, room formerly known as Genius. Uh, dumb question, but it's not a dumb question. But it's Book Club instead of as well as the huddle. It's as well as. So the uh, Litopia Writers Huddle happens earlier that evening. And then later on, uh, you'll find full details at club.litopia.com. But later on, um, it's the book club. So it's a, it's a twofer. Uh, that particular right, let's have a look at the the room formerly known as just genius I can't, we have to come up with another name really quickly because I can't keep saying that um, not a blurb uh, says David not a blurb but this sounds like a great premise and Annie says this is a great concept the blurb isn't a blurb Eva says first sentence in the blurb is not necessary um, oop Says James, blurb, not a blurb. Jan says, yes, Robert, I don't know how you pronounce that. Is it Wagner or Wagner? I think it's Wagner. Robert Wagner and Stephanie Powers, heart to heart. Um, Johnny agrees, yeah, with David, good premise. Um, and Hannah says, check out Agent Pete's seminar on blurbs. Please do, please do. Blurbs are so important. Um, Matt says, I'm not sure it's wise to note that a main character is exactly like everyone else. Seems to advertise nothing new here. And Pamela Joe says, unfortunately, you cannot tell an agent or a reader anything. You've got to show them with your skill and wordsmithing. Oh, yes, indeed. Let's see what Bev thought. Remembering this is YA. 
Um, I thought the title was wasn't right for uh, the idea of there being mystery and killers. Um, I, I liked that it was about hearts and hearts, but it's just, it's too familiar, it's too overdone. And as you said, the blurb isn't quite a blurb. But I liked the idea of it. I like the idea that he finds out that they've been, you know, that they weren't, they didn't just die, they were murdered. Mm. I, and that he's got to find out who they are. I like, I like the premise. Mm. But she says, Lucas is warm, funny, and self-deprecating. And I didn't find that. I found him, um, like you said, he wallowed in self-pity. And that kind of is what came across. Um, and it didn't make him very relatable for me. Mm. Whereas when he started talking about naming his heart Benny, I was like, oh, hang on. That's quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's where I'd think to start it rather than all the I don't deserve to be here stuff at the beginning. Because that, 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 I didn't think that was very gripping. And I yeah. wasn't sure if it would make a YA turn the page yeah. that yeah. quickly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, but but naming's heart Benny, and then that last nine, somebody has to die, and just making it really stark like that. Mm. Um, I thought, well, good. So I thought it had potential, but I think it it's 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 got some work to do. Yeah, I think so too. And he says maybe start with an actual scene. Uh, yeah, why not? Uh, that would make it much more interesting. You need to immerse us in your world. Very wise words there from Annie. Mm. Um, Dave Maguire says some nice thoughts and observations, but there's a lot of telling rather than showing here. Needs a big edit. Um, and Pamela Joe says, Holly, you now have permission to write fiction. You've got the skills, but you have to move into a different mindset. Storytelling. And Claire says, Benny. Uh, James says, is this an, an end-of-life memoir? It feels a bit like that to begin with, doesn't it? It's, I don't think it's quite right for the uh, target market. Matt says, I'm wondering if this is the right place to start. I think we have pretty much established it's not. Hannah says, this was labelled as YA, but the story voice is adult. I think that's a good observation, yeah, actually. I wonder what, wonder what Will thinks. Yeah, I go along with most of that, all of that, actually. I think, I think if you're going to start discursively, the writing needs to be much snappier and it needs to hit us much harder. So I would start with a line like, we all have to die sometime. Um, uh, I, just, I just didn't want it to be me. Oh, uh, nice. yeah. at, least, at least not yet. The thing was, I had something to live for. Murder. Oh, wow. Something there. That, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that or, works. Or solving, yeah. or solving yeah. a murder, yes. Something that gives this person, we know immediately, purpose and life force she must yeah. live she must do this yeah otherwise I, I agree with the person who said uh, yeah take us into a, a scene yeah just take us into that scene yeah i mean she could yeah. be she could be dreaming on the operation she could be dreaming the murder on the operating theater as she wakes up out of yeah. the anesthetic something like that oh boy yeah. brilliant suggestion um, and he says, maybe start with your main character feeling his donor's spirit. That's a very interesting phenomenon. Uh, hmm. Will should write a book. He has done <laughs> quite a few. <laughs> we'll cover a few of them later, am. actually. <laughs> and he is at the moment, apparently. Uh, Thank you. Claire says, this is backstory immerses in a scene. Let's relate to the protagonist on an emotional level. Um, start with this. Someone had to die. That's, that's Claire quoting, of course. Uh, maybe last paragraph should be the first, says Matt. I agree with Matt, says Eva. Claire says, why a mystery romance? Not getting this, except maybe the mystery. 
Um, and David says, a lot of nice stuff, though. It's frustrating that it's hidden in a passage that's a bit aimless. Yeah, it is. And PC Frontier says, I like how Holly's plot idea, I do too, and the title, but suggest a more gripping uh, or exciting start and perhaps give us more detail about the main character to make him likeable. Um, let's see what else. Um, oh, yeah, we're going off about genia, which I, I like wool gathering expeditions, but I'm going to be fixed and focused at least for the uh, first one. Let's just go back at the moment to Will and see. Will, you haven't voted yet. No. Um, and I think that's my fault. I didn't ask you if you got voting up. Oh, no. We're going to stop now for 15 minutes while we get the vote page up. Uh, no. you, go to the, you go to the vote page. Um, yeah, so... Sorry, is it my fault? I... No, it's not, because I should have asked you, actually, whether you, whether you got it up. I tell you what, um, I'll give you a link to, to go to your unique voting page in a moment, but what I can do um, before then, and this is where it gets exciting, actually, is <laughs> I, I can actually put the numbers in um, right now. So... Give me the when we actually are going for number. Uh, we're going for percentages actually. So, give me the number of stars you give for the title. Out of ten. Yeah, five. out of ten. Yeah. Yeah, five. You know, five. So that's I think that's, like, I think that's fifty. Um, we'll find out in a minute. Um, and for the blurb. Four. It needs a rewrite to get the murder bit in okay. properly. Yes. Okay. So that's a thousand. That's so. That's completely wrong. Uh, that's let me. That's uh, a thousand. That's, that's yeah. A okay. lot more than I. <laughs> oh, eight hundred. Excellent. <laughs> okay. I think we got this uh, week's got winner. Still, yes, already yes, is. <laughs> Oh, that was a fun, yeah. fun Cox, just because I didn't, I didn't shake and will have got the voting page up. Okay, so you're giving five out of ten, which is, um, I'm, I'm going to ask you to give out of, out, of, um, out of five, actually, Will. Out of five. Okay. Um, One, two, three, four, or five? Three. Three, got it. For, that's the title. For the blur, please, out of five? Just two. Two. And the craft, out of five? Three. Three. And finally, the bang, which is the commercial appeal, the commercial potential. Mm. Two. Two. Got it. As it stands. Two. As it stands, right. Got it. All right. So those numbers are, are looking much more respectable. Good concept. Yeah, it is a, a strong mm. concept, I think. Yeah. Uh, but we need the execution to be strong. So there we go. Um, and now means we've got an overall number, doesn't it? No, we haven't. Dang! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, it's going on one of those shows we have to edit in post production. I hate that. I hate that. Let's go, let's go We're back. It's such a slick operation. I know. It normally it is. So we've got good numbers there from you. We've got excellent numbers there from you. I've voted as well, haven't I? I think I have. Oh, okay. Well, let's. It's, oh my god. Right. So. Agent P value doesn't like my first vote. That's very interesting. Um, let me go back and oh yeah, that's absolutely right. Actually, gosh, it's Tom. It's it's my cock up. There we go. Just wait for a few minutes now. Talk, recalculate. Yeah, you got a forty. 
52, Holly. That was hard. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, both of you. We uh, you. pop up submissions. Who is running this army, says Lex. That's a very good question. That's a very, very good question. All right, General we move Cops. on. Well, allegedly, we move on to our next submission. So it's all long. I mean, it's supposed to be fun. Hopefully you're enjoying it. This is from Jeffrey. Got a QR code through Jeffrey's website. If you're around, Jeffrey gives a wave, please. It's fantasy. It's called No One. No One. What do you think of the title, guys? Every 20 years, the red comet lit up the nighttime sky under the comet. And it's actually one um, at the moment, isn't it? That Japanese comet, actually, that you can see uh, tomorrow morning, I think. Wow. Under the comet, one was to be born who would defeat the emperor. That one would gather the ten ancient rings. What does that remind me of? And end a reign of terror before it began. Through Throg? Don't I pronounce that? Slagger was to be the chosen one. He was to kill the emperor in the infancy of the man's reign when the comet returned on his 20th birthday. He had trained since he was 10 years old to fulfill the prophecy. He failed. He only gathered nine of the ten rings. All right, little bit derivative there. Um, but let me tell everybody about you, Jeffrey. I'm a husband, father of three, musician, an avid role play, oh, and board gamer. As a profession, I'm a curriculum developer for a company that creates custom training materials. For them, I've written simple step-by-step -step reference cards to scripts for long-form videos. Okay. One of my short stories was chosen to be part of The Legacy, to be published by Realm, Realm Walker, Realm Walker Publishing Group. Unfortunately, they closed their doors before the book was completed. Possibly because nobody could pronounce the name. Realm Walker. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Um, but never mind. The good news is you've got a fantastic reading tonight from Ellie. No One by Geoffrey, read by Alison. Chapter One, A Voice from the Past. Do you have any weapons? The Imperial Guardsman asked. Are we really doing this? I haven't tried to kill him in 19 years, Throg Slagger replied. Do you have any weapons? The Guardsman replied without changing his tone. There were two of them, and Throg could barely distinguish between the two. They both had the long braid that marked them as part of the Emperor's elite guard. Not original members. They were both too young for that honour. He decided to call them righty and lefty. Does the other one ever speak? Throg asked as he motioned at lefty. Do you have any weapons? I heard you the first time, like anyone could actually hurt him. Righty stared at him and only replied by lifting his right eyebrow. That is so like you, righty, to lift your right eyebrow. Throg sighed, then took off his belt that held both his sword and the knife his grandfather gave him, handed them to the guardsman and said, Just these. Righty eyed him as he took the belt and held it as if he were holding a small child that had soiled their pants. Have a seat over there, Righty said, as he pointed to a marble bench behind Throg and to his left. Hope I don't have to wait too long, Throg said, but he did not expect a reply. He shook his head and shuffled over to where he'd been told to sit, 
As Throog sat down, Wrighty laid the weapons on the bench on the opposite side of the hall from Throog. That'll keep the Emperor safe, Throog said, but Wrighty ignored him, then took his place near the doors that led to the audience chamber. The first time Throog had walked through here, he had left two guards, like Wrighty and Lefty, lying in pools of their own blood. That was before there was an Empire. The Imperial Banner took up the wall across from him, declaring the change that had happened 19 years ago. Righty and Lefty stood before two huge doors leading to the Emperor's audience chamber that only opened for the Emperor himself. If the Emperor was 10 feet tall, he would not have to duck to enter through those doors. There were smaller doors built into the larger ones that lesser folk could use. Will this take much longer? Through gasped. I'm terribly busy today. No, you're not. Righty replied. True, but a mead would be a better view than that gaudy rag hanging on the wall. How dare you, Lefty said. That is the banner of the Empire. You can speak, Throog said, feigning surprise. Lefty took a step towards Throog. Righty placed a hand on Lefty. They exchanged looks. Lefty stepped back into his place. Then they both went back to steadfastly ignoring him. After what seemed like an eternity, one of the smaller doors opened. Racel Millen walked out. Throog stood to meet him. Racel was the Emperor's most trusted lieutenant. The hairless man stood a head taller than Throog. Something had mixed with his ancestors' bloods to create this man that seemed not quite human, or at least that is what Throog thought. The lieutenant ignored Throog and asked Wrighty, Did you check him for weapons? The guard saluted and said, Yes, sir, we took his sword and a knife. Racel glanced at the weapons, but Throog knew the man was unconcerned about them. Did he give you any trouble? No, sir. He was as docile as an old hound. Just a bit snarky. Thank you, soldier. I will take responsibility for him, Racel said. Thank you, sir, Wrighty said with a smart salute that Racel returned. He will see you now, Messiah, Racel said with a sneer as he turned toward Throog. Throog nodded, then followed the lieutenant through the lesser door he had just come through. Racel's unnaturally white skin could only be seen from his exposed neck and naked head. All other portions of his body were hidden under leather and steel, with his Ixafor sword at his side. Throog wished he had his knife to sink into the man's exposed neck. Thank you, Ellie. I felt every inch of that knife going in. Let's look at the room formerly known as Genius Lex is very keen on the idea. Uh, and when Lex gets behind something, he gets behind it. Uh, love this blurb. Starts off with boilerplate standard fantasy tropes. Then, bam! Big plot twist right at the end. Let's rock! <laughs> he loves it. Uh, and he says, what makes this chosen one different from the rest? Also, a little too close to Lord of the Rings. Well, it's very close, really. Blurb not bad, Sir James. PC Frontier says, through Slagger? Or Throg? Throg Slagger? Interesting choice of main character. <laughs> Has the blurb told us the end of the end or beginning of the story, asks Hannah. Eva says, not really over the moon about this. PJ, maybe a better name. Make it clearer who is who and doing what in the blurb. And James says, yeah, the ring thing. Well, have I seen this? Um, Jan says, like the title, but for me, doesn't match the huge quest story. And lolling right at the start, says Lex. Nice work. He's behind you. <clears throat> uh, watch out. Lex is behind you. Uh, maybe it's more not the one, says Jan. And Matt says, man, the name Throog. 
<laughs> Throog makes me think typo every time. I think that too, unfortunately. <laughs> and David says, oh, I like the start. Are we going for comedy fantasies then? And uh, Johnny says, um, two extra applied in the opening sentences. Clunks a bit. Maybe change one to said. Fun voice, says Annie. And Hannah says, this is very perambulatory start. More drama, please. Will, first reactions. Yeah, I agree with that last comment uh, and the comedy fantasy comment. Uh, what type of story are you telling here? Because there's a facetious note. You strike a facetious note here that is at odds with the overarching concept, it seems to me, is it? Where, you know, you're on a quest to kill the emperor and collect the tenth ring. So, you know, I would avoid this sort of gentle, slightly comic beginning, which is, which is of course, um, you know, burst open by the, the dagger in the neck, but that, comes, that sort of comes from nowhere. It's all, it's all really sweet. It's like, it's like he's visiting the doctors up till then, yeah. you know. Yeah. Just stand over there and it'll be fine. I think I think so he might be I going for a, a bit more action. A Pratchett Listen, sort of feel. Do, do you get a Pratchett feel at all? A, no. Exposition no. is ammunition. Okay, so hmm. get something happening that takes us into the story straight away. I've got to write that down. Exposition is ammunition. That's a fantastic quote, actually. Get my head around that. Um, well, I'm with you, Will. Can I get your marks, please, for the title out of five? Yeah, I don't think the title fits, so two. Okay, two. And for the burb out of five? Um, three. And for the craft, writing craft? Three. There's some repetition that needs to be edited out immediately, but some bits were, yeah, three. Okay, fantastic. And overall uh, commercial potential, otherwise known as bang? If it's, if it's well written, and yeah, uh, four. All right. Thank you very much. Well, let's cut back to the genius room. Uh, Claire says, I like the fact that we're starting with the scene. I'm enjoying Thrug's snarkiness. And James says, starts with action, but not feeling for this uh, main character. And Pamela Joe says, OK, this is very smart, Alec. I'm being funny, voice. I can't really take the whole plot seriously then. She's funny or tense, maybe. Johnny says, he's pulling me in. And David Maguire says, this is fun with a nice voice, but the prose needs a polish, Bev. Uh, I thought the title was okay, but I couldn't really connect it to the story. Um, and the problem I had with the story was the, um, well, the reference to, to the rings from the Lord of the Rings. Oh, no. it, well, it just stands out, doesn't it? There was just this sense of, okay, what's new about this? I mean, you yeah. tell us he failed at the end anyway, and I was trying to work out how that was helpful. Yeah. Um, but it was like, what's different about this story hit us with that because that is not coming through and you're not going to get a lot of uptake on it unless there's something else that you're selling here mm -hmm. um i thought it had a, a nice sense of voice uh, i thought the writer part was was quite good but it wasn't the word I wanted was compelling. I wanted to yeah. have a reason to really turn that page. And it was basically a guy waiting outside a door. And, and it was just, it wasn't telling us enough. Yeah. It, there, slow starts can work if they've got punch and they've got intention uh, and they've got undercurrent. 
Mm. But but this one didn't really have any of those things. Mm. So for me, this is not your start, Guy. Think again. Um, and I'd like to just I'd like to talk about the name because uh, yeah. uh, you get you know you get Darth Vader, you get Luke Skywalker, you get Bilbo Baggins, you get Harry Potter. Mm. These are, these are names that people then name their pets. They name their children. Uh, you see it on T-shirts. No one's going to buy a T-shirt with Throog Slagger on it. <laughs> They're not going to name their cat Throog Slagger. This is, you're going to miss out on all well, the free advertising. You say that, I can see Elon Musk naming his next baby that. I mean, that, that's not too much of a stretch. Uh, I'm loving the T-shirt next... test name, though. That's a fail-safe test. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and if no one knows how to pronounce it, they think it's a spelling mistake, yeah. uh, and you haven't spelt it in a way that makes it easy. Just think again. It's your book. You can do what you like, but do 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 better than that, because there's. I think there's something in this, but you're not advertising it in the blurb. You're not advertising it in the title, and you're not pushing it in that beginning. So. Go back to the drawing board and, and think, what are the shiny bits here that I need to bring out? Because I think they've got a bit lost. Great advice, Berth. Johnny says, X is now rebranded as Throog. <laughs> I'd, like, <laughs> I'd like that, actually. I would totally get, I would absolutely move back to Twitter if they call it Throog. And he says, you've got the hard bit down. Talking direct to uh, Jeffrey here. You've got the hard bit down. Character and voice, but now we need to feel the world. Cracking reading, says Dave McGuire. It was... Um, as always, from our narrators. Shall I tell you about our narrators quickly? Voice.latopia.com. I don't need to tell you. You can find out for yourself. You can also rent them by the hour or the day. They're completely flexible for your next audio book. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not sure I want to be known as rentable by the hour. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it strikes a certain... I'm now. Note, it? <laughs> This is rapidly falling apart. (laughs) (laughs) It's not technical, it's just cocks ups, really. Um, Lex, (laughs) so we want to know what Lex thought, right? Because he was so up on it to begin with. Lex says, This was funny enough. I enjoyed it, even though I would normally say, More story, please, by this point. Okay. Maybe gives a tiny bit more emotion, says Annie, uh, how he's feeling towards whatever his goal is. And Matt says, would I read on? That's a very important question. Not sure. Let's ask you, Bev, would you read on? No. No. And, and I'm, I'm a big fantasy fan. Yeah. And you wouldn't read on at this point, Will? No. No. Okay. That's and very important. Me. Very important test. Thank you very much. We got our numbers in. You got a 54, Jeffrey. You got a 54. I think we should. Oh, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Is that Jeffrey? It's Holly. It's Holly. Oh, thank you, Holly. <clears throat> I'm sorry, a bit, um, a bit late. Normally, we try to sort of talk a little bit, actually. Um, but, you know, what with one thing and another today, it's not exactly <laughs> been smooth, has it, really? Um, yeah. One cocks up after another. Exactly. I said that first, actually. I said that first. That's my cock. Yes. But I'm, I'm very good at stealing material like all writers should be. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about you a little more. More. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, yes. I we'll take it all back. I, I think it's a very good See opportunity. That? See what he's done there. Oh yeah. Let's let's talk about you a bit more. There's there's a, a, a tiny smidgen of your biography. Um, which hopefully people have had a look at already by now. If they haven't, then they can see more of it on your website. Your website, willpearsonbooks.com. 
just picked out a couple of books there. Classic books, actually. Absolute classic books. Books for which you've developed a well-justified reputation. So Tornado Down. Tell us about that. What, what, what was that about? It was a huge bestseller. Uh, how did you come to write it? What's it about? Uh, I, came to write, I came to write it because I was working on a newspaper, a freelance in the mirror, and the Gulf War started. And um, these two, nobody, I'm ex-mill, obviously, and not many people knew very much about the military. So they got me in to sort of help out. And uh, these two guys got shot down, these two young pilots. And uh, they, Mirror then got very excited and wanted the story. The yeah. RAF, I called the RAF, the RAF said no. And, um, but then I talked to, the boy, to John Peters there on the right in that picture. Mm-hmm. And he said, we can't do an article for, a pay- for the press, but we can do, the RAF won't let us, but we can do a book. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested. So I'd never written a book, but we met up. Um, and I wrote um, 60 pages in the end mm-hmm. uh, of their story, having recorded them both. And they were both great value. I mean, they, you know, they made that job so easy for me. Mm. Uh, very articulate, um, very raw, because they'd come straight out of uh, prison um, and torture. They've been tortured. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so that was the first one. And that was, I wish they would all have been as successful as that one. Yes, yeah. And that, then- was, that, that, was, that, that was did really well. I'm yeah, yeah, I, I, I remember it well. And Go, 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 the SAS, the Iranian Embassy Siege, the true story. Now, this was an iconic moment, really, in television history, and almost every Brit who was alive uh, at the time will remember it. Um, our, our non-UK uh, viewers and listeners, indeed, because we do go out as a podcast as well, won't necessarily know what it's about. Can you tell us? Yes, it was about the... Uh, group of disaffected Iranian uh, political, uh, basically rebels who who wanted to overthrow the um, Iranian government and do it by the, what, the way they decided to do it was to seize the London embassy, hold. Uh, they actually wanted all of their. Com- they did. They wanted to overthrow, but the first thing they wanted was all the political prisoners locked up in um, Iranian jails to be released. So to do that, they took control of the Iranian embassy and they threatened, they took all the hostages who were in there, the, the staff, a British policemen who happened to be on duty at the time uh, and various other people and held them hostage. Mm-hmm. And the negotiations began and lasted six days. Everybody, the British government and the Iranian government were trying to resolve it behind the scenes peaceably and without loss of life. Uh, unfortunately, one of the uh, Iranian gunmen as they became known, uh, opened fire and shot one of the hostages, whereupon that triggered the Special Air Service to go in uh, full, full bore and yeah, and rescue everybody inside, which they did. With, which they did, yeah. With customary, with great efficiency. Yeah, mm. and that was the first time that many people, I think, actually even became aware, really, of the SES, because we saw all this happen live on television. An extraordinary moment. Do you remember it, Bev? 
Actually, uh, I walked past the Iranian oh, embassy just after it had all kicked off because I was work, work I was working just around the corner and I used to go into Hyde Park to eat my lunch and I went out and there were police everywhere and it was all cordoned off and I just sat there eating my lunch, no idea what just was going watching, on. Watching <laughs> these, these men in then, yeah. Yeah, and then got home and saw it on the news and oh sh shit. <laughs> yeah, so I do yeah. remember quite clearly actually. Yeah. Extraordinary moment, really. Why is mm. it, do you think, that we don't get more of that on television now? We get sort of endless 24-hour news cycles, which is people just standing, saying stuff all the time. But we don't get... I think I think CNN originally did that. They were out there. If, if there was something happening, CNN would be there, but they stopped that a long time ago. I don't know why. Why don't we get more of that, Will? Uh, I, I cannot answer that question. Mm. I, mean, I, I don't know whether it's partly a, a function of cost or the sort of infantilization generally of, you know, yeah. the attempt to infantilize a lot of us and just feed us fear and pap, basically. Mm. But don't get me started. I don't know. I think oh, it's too late for that. I've already got you started. All right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'll Ah, uh, there's no stopping Will Pearson. There's no stopping pop-up submissions. We've got to come back to Will after our next submission. <laughs> Look, that absolutely increases our YouTube numbers straight away. Silver Bloods. Silver Bloods is from Beck. Do you like the title? I quite like that title. Do you like it? YA Urban Fantasy. Here's Beck's blurb. In modern day southern Ontario, a teen mage just wants to sell her weapons to supernatural bounty hunters, hmm. gain notoriety, and become a household name in the industry. But a murderous cult has other plans. Silver Bloods is an 83,000 word young adult urban fantasy novel. It's a standalone with serious potential. It will appeal to fans of the Skullduggery Pleasant series, Derek Landy, and the chosen Aurora Grace. Okay. Uh, it's a, it's a, um, that last bit is not really part of a blurb, but it's interesting enough, isn't it? Yeah. Um, very short and sweet about our author. I wonder if you're with us today, Big um, I'm a 32-year-old mother of two young children from Southern Ontario. That's it. That's all you need to know. That's all Beck is going to give us. But we're going to give you, Beck, an amazing reading here from Hannah. Silver Bloods by Beck. Read by Hannah. Chapter 1. Ravina woke with her alarm and checked her phone from where she lay. No messages, no missed calls, nothing. She sighed. Damn, Dad, thanks for caring. She snapped it closed and set the device back on her bedside table, then turned off the fan she kept running to help her sleep. How is she supposed to be excited about an accomplishment if her own damned father wasn't answering his damned phone? She wanted him to be the first person she told, but it had been four days since her doctoral thesis had been accepted, and he still couldn't be reached. It wasn't like he didn't know this was a thing. He knew about her having to defend her thesis this week before he went on that damned bounty two weeks ago. She put the reminder on his phone, just in case he actually wanted to come watch her defend it. She'd been the only student defending their thesis whose family hadn't come. 
She thought she would have been used to that by now, but it still bothered her. They didn't have a close relationship, but he was still her father, damn it. It shouldn't matter to him, especially since she was barely 16. How many 16-year-olds outside of her boarding school had any degrees, never mind a doctorate? She sat up and pushed aside her black-weighted blanket. Was it really that hard to find a payphone to check in on your child? He had a cell phone. His old ass even knew how to use it. She really didn't see what excuse he could possibly have for being completely cut off like this every time he went out on a bounty. A bounty that shouldn't have even taken this long to conclude. He was an ass, but Red Dragoon was actually good at his job. Well, his paid job at least. He'd basically checked out as a father when she and her twin brother were six. Robert went off to live with their uncle Dracula, because who better to raise a vampire than another vampire? Red only kept her around long enough to send off to a boarding school for gifted learners. Their mother died when they were four. Dorovina supposed she was impressed Red held out the two years he had before resorting to outsourcing the raising of his kids. It took another few moments of waiting, hoping he'd call, or even text, before Ravina finally got out of bed. She stretched her arms above her head, and since she started, decided to stretch out for her morning run. If he hadn't called, by the time she was ready to head out, she'd try calling him. Again. It wasn't like his phone could be out of cell range. That's why she stuck the chaos chip in it. Not to mention he was a mage. He could scry her using a mirror on the truck or, hell, even a puddle. He literally had no excuse. As she worked through her stretches, she let her gaze wander around her room. It was the master suite, a gift for moving to this house without her twin. Though she strongly suspected there were other reasons as well. At the time, her father claimed it was because she'd be spending more time there than him. But considering she boarded at the school for nine months of the year, she wasn't buying that. She had at least six floor-to-ceiling bookcases, her king-size bed, her dresser and desk, with still more room to comfortably move around and exercise. All of it also gifts from her father. Usually when he missed some event of hers. She'd give him her brother and Uncle Drac, of course, but most of the things there and throughout the house were from the absent man, like presents made up for his lack of presence. She finished her stretching and slipped into her running gear, pulled her long black hair into a scrunchy ponytail. She grabbed her phone and left the room. As she slipped on her sneakers, sitting on her hall stairs, she dialed her father's number. It went straight to voicemail. Thank you, Hannah. Who is with us now, one of our most valued narrators and commentators. Is that right? Shall I call it the commentating room? No, it doesn't sound right, does it? Um, let's just see what they're up to in that place that I haven't got a name for yet. 
Uh, now, Lex is having a good day, actually. It's total enthusiasm going on. Lex says, uh, this is the beginning, right? So we are reviewing the comments from the beginning to where we are now. Lex says, monster hunters, monster bounty hunters, let's bluffing go. And that, that's basically Lex's most fundamental way of expressing enthusiasm. David says the first sentence of that blurb is 36 words. Eva says, title striking, what's the link to the book? Uh, gay notoriety may not be a valuable enough goal, says Hannah, for the YA reader. And James says, oh no, waking up. Mm, waking up. Matt says, not sure beginning of the wake up is a good idea. It's not a unique one, that's for sure. Uh, David says, I was looking forward to this based on the title premise and then a waking scene. Gah. Not struck by the blurb, says Eva. Anna says, start with her defending her thesis, maybe. Claire says, a doctoral thesis, so not YA age. I think there's a bit of a struggle going on there, actually, myself, uh, the YA thing. And then Pamela says something that's uh, actually from, you know, the business point of view, the agent's point of view, certainly published. She says, oh, dear. I thought the name sounded familiar. And then she gives a, a web link to Elder Scrolls. Bloods are a family of wealthy silver miners located in Markarth. They own most of the city and use prisoners to mine silver. In Sidhad <coughs> mine, the prison of Markath. Okay, so that could well be a problem. It could be a serious problem, actually, especially if there's a trademark taken out on that. So, yeah, I've given reasonably good marks to the title, but they would disappear in a, a flash of a lawyer's letter if... Um, if it, it appears that, you know, we're, we're trending on someone else's trademarks, I'm not sure about that. Let's have a look at Will, see what he thinks. Yeah, I, I really like the concept. Uh, I think it was Matt Sko and, and Hannah uh, both are on board with that, and I, I certainly agree. I mean, the, uh, I love the idea there's a made industry, and yeah. then she wants to be a standout yeah. star in it. I, yeah. I mean, please take me immediately to how you get to be that person. Uh, not at home in a domestic setting, worrying about your relationship with your dad and the furniture. Just be, uh, I think the word scrying was, was used, which yeah. I think is looking into yeah. a, a mirror, which is very interesting. And seeing things, a bit like a crystal ball, is it? Um, uh, so, seeing something that, uh, like uh, I think it was Hannah said, you know, inciting incident, takes us to the inciting incident. The thing that happens that that our heroine has to, uh, our protagonist has to sort out and will increase her glory, put her in jeopardy, mm. all of those things that we are mm. looking forward to from this excellent yeah. concept. Yeah. Okay, let's do the numbers now. It's going to be a little painful, a little bit slow, but I did warn you, this is the special cock-up edition of Pop-Up Submissions. You can go make a cup of tea <laughs> while I'm doing this if you want. If you don't find it very interesting, <laughs> that's fine. I'll see you in a minute or two. Right, let's take it from the top. Marks out of five, please, Will, for the title. Four. Four, yeah. I, I thought that's good with a proviso. It's not someone else's uh, trademark. Blurb. Four. Oh, wow. Craft, writing craft. 2.5. Three. <laughs> You're generous today. So caught you in a good day. And commercial potential, otherwise known as bang. Four. All oh, right. Okay, cool. All right. So if it's those. written well, yeah. If, if it's, it's written, written well, yeah. I just want to say, actually, we've got Beck uh, live uh, with us at the moment on YouTube. What, what, what's going on for you, Beck? 
Okay. <laughs> so I'm not the only one making cock-ups today, am I? No, I'm not. Other people are making cock-ups. Oh, no. That makes me feel a lot better. Uh, cock-ups love company. Right. Well, never mind. I mean, these things happen. What, don't they? Um, the uh, GDI, uh, people formerly known as GDI. Internal voice not working for me, says Johnny. It's not natural enough. And Matt says, begin with making some cool weapon or whatever, whatever, exciters, <laughs> intriguers. Not feeling emotion for this main character, says James. And David says, oh, disappointing. Great ideas, but this opening is just boring. All right, so you've got the messenger, I think, back. Uh, Jan says, instead of looking back on this heartbreaking moment, maybe begin with it. Yeah. Uh, backstory not working, says Claire. Let's have a scene. And Hannah says, already alluded to by Will, we really need to start with Inside Instant. What propels this story into motion? Start there. And Annie says, this reads like a first draft. I wonder if it is actually, Beck. Let us know if it's a first draft. The other thing that I would say too, actually, is don't justify it. You've justified it like they do in proper books. But don't, because actually it doesn't justify as well as, as uh, you know, professional uh, book designers do it. And it just makes your writing look that little bit duller, actually. I, 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 don't, I don't like to see manuscripts that are justified usually. Um, we've got a number for you. And that is, ah, not bad, actually. Yes. You got a 62, which puts you in the, in the lead. But we ain't finished yet. Because we've got one more. And it's from somebody called N.A. 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 Well, there's a, there's a QR code there, so you can go to N.A.'s website. It's called Comeback. It's Specfic Comeback. And this is the blurb. Three K-pop fans from around the globe become trapped inside the fictional universe with, within a K-pop group's music videos. Oh. Okay, yeah. They must solve the mystery of a plane's disappearance and outsmart a stalker to return the missing K-pop group and themselves to reality. Feels a bit YA to me. I don't think it's spec fix. Maybe it's YA spec fix. I don't know. But I'm going to treat this as if it is YA, I think. Um, so what do we know about our mysterious submitter? By day, I'm a K-pop news manager. What's that? What's a K-pop news manager? I didn't know they had one. They have lots of them, probably. Wow. A K-pop news manager. Oh, get my head around that. With over a decade of personal and professional experience in the industry. It's an industry. By night, I sew outlandish costumes. <laughs> <laughs> Paint creepy portraits. Or watch far too many cute puppy videos. <clears throat> so like, I do one, um, one normal thing. Yes, Will? So outlandish costumes like Buffalo Bill? Could be. In, uh, yes. Well, if NA as well as we want to know, the, the truth will out. Uh, when I'm not banging my head against the keyboard, trying to write the next great Canadian, there's a clue, novel. I also bike. Wow. I, uh, a varied uh, bio there from our author known as NA. And I think you're going to agree, NA, this is an absolutely terrific reading from Emily. Come back by N.A. Read by Emily. Prelude. It's official. Dream Now Entertainment is debuting its first boy group. On June 24th, CEO Yo Young Sung 
broke the news at a press conference held at the agency's headquarters in Seoul. The group, VXV, is expected to debut in the fourth quarter of this year. CEO Yo's announcement has sent shockwaves to the K-pop community, both locally and abroad. In its 10-year history, Dream Now Entertainment has solely produced girl groups, including Misty Gals, K-Nexus and IRYS, despite holding annual auditions for both female and male trainees. At present, VXV's lineup is unknown, but fans of veteran trainee Kim Suha hope to see him debut in the group. Formerly an underground rapper-dancer known as Salt Croc, 24-year-old Kim Suha holds the record for longest training time at Dream Now Entertainment. He's reportedly trained at the agency for eight years. Other potential members are rumoured to be from The Shadow Stars, a mysterious group of trainees who are now going viral on SNS. The trainees were spotted earlier today wearing hats, hoods and black surgical masks to conceal their identities as they entered Dream Now Entertainment. Details about VXV, including the number of members and their concept, will be released in an official statement this fall. Chapter 1 Two years, nine months and 18 days later. Toronto, Canada In the next 60 seconds, lightning would strike Earth 6,000 times. 1,800 stars would burst into supernovas and VXV would release Signal, Found, the final album in their Signal trilogy. On the other side of the world, Amy Warner counted down the numbers glowing through her phone screen. Sixty. Fifty-nine. As usual, VXV's countdown was in Roman numerals. As usual, it added unnecessary stress to the already stressful comeback experience. The last thing Amy needed was a distraction to make her lose count. Incoming call, Professor Pun. Sighing, she pushed in her hands for earbuds and swiped to answer. You have 57 seconds, Amy murmured into the mic. She angled herself away from the student sitting across the aisle. Humber College, read his hoodie. I'm on the subway and it's comeback day. Is that boy band more important than your dad? Make me choose and you'll find out, she joked. 53 seconds. Brat, are you close to home? I forgot my... Space case, yes. Amy glanced down at the leather briefcase wedged between her running shoes. It was a relic from the 1980s, speckled with solar system stickers. Her dad had left behind the marked assignments for his afternoon science class, but remembered the homemade reward cupcakes he planned to hand out afterward. Classic Mr. Warner. I'm bringing it now. See, this is why you're my favourite kid. I'm your only kid. Amy's fingernail, ink-stained from an early morning drawing class, tapped her phone's glass and the buffering graphic beneath it. Five rings rippled out like radio waves around the countdown's pulsing cyan numbers. It was a clue VXV's fandom, Signal, had been analysing for days. Each ring represented one of VXV's five members. Suha, Muwan, Byomso, Kuro and Yehan. But what did that blinking white star outside the rings mean? It had appeared the night before, adding one more question to Amy's collection. Whenever she came close to unravelling VXV's story, a mysterious new chapter would tangle the threads again. You listening to me? What? Yeah, I'm listening, Amy lied as the train screeched to a halt. She caught Humberg College guy smirking and mouthed, I am, at him. So nosy. Something about dinner? I said, you're on your own tonight, cadet. Mom and I are going out. Amy slung her khaki art bag over her shoulder, grabbed the space case and disembarked, asking, out where? Every few numbers she glanced up from Dream Now Entertainment's website to dodge the tide of travellers washing up on the platform's shore. Did they feel what she felt? A gravitational shift happening in the K-pop world? 
Out where, Dad? We're meeting a friend. A pause. Why don't you invite Harper over? For pizza and anime like old times. Old times felt like an eternity ago. A bittersweet history belonging to a stranger. But Amy couldn't tell him that. Not until she figured out why and what to do about it. She's busy. I'll be there soon. Bye. Thank you, Emily. I unrestrictedly want to give full marks to everything that Emily ever reads, but I have to restrain myself. Otherwise, it wouldn't be fair, would it, really? Uh, the uh, room formerly known as Genius are very, very active today. I think they are geniuses, really. Uh, I've got to change the name. Is there another word for genius? Um, Jan says, I love an alt universe story with a mystery. The K pop settings, really fun twist. Uh, Johnny says, Feels YA to me also. Sounds vaguely like something I can't quite place. Uh, that's interesting because. Uh, Johnny's got the smarts of that, so I wonder if he um, finds out in a minute. And Pamela Joe says, needs more puppy outlandish costume. Are these the costumes that NA sews in the evenings? Needs a puppy costume. K-poppy title. <laughs> okay, so is that K-pop? That would be K-pop, wouldn't it? I wonder if any dogs are cool there. I bet they are. <laughs> oh, sweet! Um... I don't understand what, I often don't understand what Lex says because he's so bloody clever. David McGuire says, starting the press release, this has bored me within two lines. I, I think our oh, panelists are going to say something about press releases in a minute. That's a record. PC Frontier says, I had to look up K-pop. Agree with Pete Sounds YA. David says, come on, the premise is really smart and unusual. Grab me. Um, Claire says, why should I be interested in all this in italics? And Hannah says, I don't think we need the prelude. And let's be honest, it's not a prelude, is it? It's a preface. It's a prologue. And he says, this works as an opening, but I'd lose the italics. And Matt says, I love the concept, but beginning a story aimed at K-pop audience with a straight, well, fiction news story. Uh, David says, in the next 60 seconds, is your start? Is it? I wonder. Probably is. Will, are you a big K-pop fan? Yeah, Gangnam Style. For sure. <laughs> I'd say you're down with the kids all right, aren't you? I am. Don't, don't write me off yet as a podball vet. I'm telling you, man. I'm, I'm there. Right. This story, this, this, story, this, this story promises heaps. And as I recall, we've got a missing plane. We've got a K-pop band that's stuck in a kind of Truman Show universe. Yeah. And, the, and I think it's Amy, is it? Has to get them out. There's a stalker who has to be defeated. And uh, they have to escape and return to reality. I mean, apart from that, it's an easy day at the office. So, at the moment, I'm not really getting anything from the opening that engages me with no. any of those strands. Yeah. And it's, you know, story is not a Gladstone bag. You cannot stuff everything in and hope for the best. I would disentangle one or two of those threads, i certainly disentangle one, and start with, again, something happening that uh, young Amy has to deal with. Uh, you know the, the hijacking of the group, or yeah. So yeah, there's, there we go. there's so many other ways to start it. Actually, yeah. Um, Will, I want to get your numbers, please. Title. Um, three. Okay. Blurb. Promises loads. Um, it does promise a lot. Three, I guess. Three. Okay. And uh, writing craft out of five. Two. Doesn't deliver. Doesn't deliver. Yeah. Yeah. And commercial Sorry. potential. Bang. Mm, two at the moment. Oh, wow. Oh, the 
it's such a shame. But yeah, I mean, you've got to be realistic about it. So we've got your numbers in there. Uh, straight back to the room, formerly known as Genius. So I love the concept. No, no, no. Sorry, I read that already. Um, this could work, says Paolo Joe. If it follows some parag- if it follows some paragraphs with outlandish K-pop singers doing mad things while wearing outlandish costumes, I'm a puppy. Obviously, puppy costumes. And- and I can run them up at night time. James says, the opening didn't work for me. I think that's pretty universal, actually. And he says, smooth prose, believable voice. Yes, very encouraging, actually. Matt says, the voice after the opening news story is working for me. That's very important. And he says, says, I'm sure this will be really popular if it gets published. Uh, K-pop is very popular with teens. And David says, wise words here from David. A few words, more story, please. Um, post news story this really really works says Matt Claire says I'm disengaged uh, Annie maybe less italics and Johnny prose has a sort of manga feel I get bright colours and smash cuts not in a bad way and Jim says yeah ditch that pre whatever it was Bev actually I loved it <laughs> oh wow I, re- I really did and I like a bit of K-pop so <laughs> Do you? You're a secret K-popper. Yeah. Oh, you do like it no, with press no. release as well? Actually, I liked that too because you it reminded it. me wow. of going way back in time and those, t- you know, when you're young and you're so obsessed with a band and you're like reading an MME about your band and mm. and you're you're waiting for every moment that the new signal, single's going to come out. There was something about that that I thought translated. Hmm. So I thought the title was great because it worked on two, lots of levels, as long as it's not already taken. It does work, doesn't it, on, on several levels, yeah. actually. Yeah, and I nice. liked what was promised in the blurb. Um, I agree you didn't need everything that was in that first section, but I think it, and I think it felt ever so slightly too adult. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I think if you bring that, the, the main character down in age a bit, and you make her talk a bit more the way that they talk. There is some. There was something there when she said, um, "I wrote it." Did you feel what she felt? A gravitational shift. And I thought, mm. yeah, they're, they're talking about what it's like to be young and obsessed with a band. They are, and I wanted that feeling to be more present and to cut away some of the the wordiness around it and get to yeah. that nub because I thought that's that's the selling point is is that urgency and that that pure love that you have at that age yeah. and you've got an audience for it. If you get that right, you're in. Yeah, so yeah. I mark less for the bang because I don't think they're pitching it at the right place at the moment. Yeah. Um, but um, I think bring it to YA and and I think you're in a and you're, know, and you're still solidly committed to a, a press race as the as the opening for a YA reader. I quite liked it, but I would have made it half as big. I, I mean, I just would have cut it lots and lots and lots down to just consolidate it into that that moment of excitement. Pamela Joe says Bev and I are like the two sisters in Shining. We think in tandem. <laughs> That's very scary. Um, Annie says, yeah, "Agree with Bev." <laughs> uh, don't don't start all the green vomit coming out. Oh, that's a different film, isn't it? Uh, Annie says, "Agree with Bev." Maybe the press release could be a tiny bit shorter, but I think it works. Hannah says, I, "This is a great comment from Hannah." Consider your stories, YA. It's talking to you, NA. Prick up your ears. Uh, you will need to choose a protagonist of a YA age. 
maybe this is a good suggestion i think a work experience manager work experience very good because your present main character will be too old for a ya target audience mm. and matt says first section yeah. whittle it down to brandon sanderson Ooh, yes uh style italics opening 100 words tops and pamela joe says oh hannah the band members are the ya hook so we need to know them much better we've got a number for you you've got a 54 everyone's no i you i thought i got your votes well yeah, you did. Mm. Yeah, you I did. Bloody hell. What have I done? I've done something awful again. Mm. So I thought the show was Not going smoothly, but it hasn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, your numbers have gone in there. I just haven't been picked up. Let me see if I can yeah. do that again. Wait a minute. We may not know the winner of the show, actually. How interesting. But I think this has ever happened before. So what's causing all this this trouble today? Oh, it must be Will, I suppose. Yes, yes. Yeah, um, yeah I think it's Uncle Dracula. Exactly. Um, for some reason, those numbers are not coming through. Let me just... I'm not going to delay things too much, but let me just see if they're actually competing at this end. Uh, I... No, they're not. They're not being picked up. So, well, I'm going to enter them directly, which is a dangerous thing to do, into the score sheet. And I need you to tell me them again, please, the title. Three. Okay. And for the blurb. Two. Okay. And for the craft. Two. Okay. And for the bang, commercial potential. Three. Okay. All right. Now that, if we're uh, lucky, that actually will give us the correct numbers. Yes. So now we have got a calculation happening. And you got a 66. So let's do it. Yes, I suspect it's as much actually. And that actually does mean we have got a winner. And it happens to <laughs> sewing your puppy costumes tonight and maybe pop something <laughs> pop k-pop yeah sort of a bit of a pun uh, yes uh fangs for the memory i don't know what that means but it's it's very good indeed let's just make sure our panelists are still here um we managed to get to the end of the show guys i'm, I'm quite surprised actually but, you know. <laughs> we limped over the line <laughs> Yeah, we did. We did. We did limp over the line. We got a, a, a worthy like a, winner. Yeah, exactly. It was, yeah. I think we've done all right. Some days. It's always. It was a triumph. Yeah, yeah exactly. No one noticed Pete's fine. Oh, you think? No, it was a minor. It was a minor yeah. technical hitch. I mean, it's nothing. It was. It was. It was a blast from start to finish. And then, and then right. it exploded on the finishing line. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing more I can say. Is this so the moment to tell you that yes. on my screen there's something weird been happening with your eyes? My <laughs> yeah. It's actually been superimposing them on top of your glasses and everything. It's just yeah, it's I been mean, quite fascinating. I, I wasn't going to say anything, but it makes you look increasingly like Quentin Tarantino for some reason. Up into his head. <laughs> 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 it's 
Okay, well, that's one less thing I'm going to uh, bother with next week. I don't... <laughs> no eyes. Yeah, I... don't... Oh, dear. If I ever do this again, I'm so going to get the link to the voting page first. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the only one who's been caught out, Will, by the way. It's a regular thing. Oh. Yeah, it happens all the time, actually. Yeah. We're so professional. Um, uh, nothing more I can say other than thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Thank you for being in the Genius Room, people formerly known as Geniuses. Thank you. Everybody behind the scenes who worked so hard so that I can cock everything up. Thank you. And with a little bit of luck, we'll see you again same time next week.